0: Just by way of reminder, over the holidays, uh, each of our Sunday morning talks are available on our website, cityharborchurch.com, or via podcast through most of the means in which you would get your podcast. So all through the holidays, and we will have services on December 24th, Christmas Eve, and December 31st, New Year's Eve, um, all through the holidays, those that audio will be posted so that you can keep up with us. This morning, I'd like to uh, title our talk, CC. Those of you that use email, some of you, uh, email is a necessary evil for your job, uh, may be familiar with CCing somebody, right? Like, hey, just CC me on, on that. Um, and a part of what a CC should be, a carbon copy, I don't even know why we use CC, because who uses carbon? Like, most people that are doing email don't even know what a carbon is, right? A carbon copy, um, I don't think we should take time to explain that. But when you CC somebody in an email, what you're doing is you're including them in the conversation, you're including them in the conversation. You're including them in the dialogue and the information that is in the conversation. And we're going to turn First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. And in this verse, I believe we have the function of CC. And I'm going to explain that uh, momentarily. But you'll notice also on the screen, if that's not a good enough title for you, you thankful prayer. We're going to talk about thankful prayer. And here's my... Um, Main thought for the morning on the screen. We will experience peace. Who would like to experience some peace? (laughs) Some of us are still stressed because I said it's Thanksgiving this week. (laughs) Trust me, I get it. (laughs) We don't have a refrigerator right now. (laughs) We will experience peace and see change when we thank God for the people in our lives and pray for them. We will see, we will experience peace and see change when we thank God for the people in our lives and pray for them. Let's pray and turn to the scripture. God, I thank you that you've not left us on our own to struggle through life, but you have given us Jesus, our example, our savior, the champion of our faith. And you have sent the Holy Spirit to guide us into truth, to help us to understand the scripture as we read it. I thank you for that. Help us today to read the scripture and be prayerful about it and obedient to it. In the name of Jesus, amen. On the screen you will see 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, which says this, I urge you, first of all, And some of you recall our first series, and we've talked about the Greek word first and how that means not only the very first thing you do in order, but also first in rank and in importance. This is, in other words, this is a highest importance thing. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Now, I know we would prefer that that said pray for the people you like. But it doesn't say that. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people ask God to help them. Lord, would you help them? (laughs) Right? Some of you know that prayer. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf. Intercede means to stand in the gap, to be a mediator, to stand in between, to say, Lord, I'm going to make requests for them on their behalf. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Now, most often, we will take on a block of Scripture, a larger passage, if you will, on a Sunday morning. Today, I think this is a mouthful. We're going to try to tackle this one verse. Are you with me? I see that we we see some phrases in this verse that seem very challenging. And what I'd like to um, invite you into this verse with is some con- context, some information about what's going on, who's talking, but also just kind of a heads up that, listen... There is power in this verse and in this exercise, which may seem challenging, that can bring change to your life. There is a secret to better relationships. There is a secret to peace and joy and grace and strength so that your life doesn't need to be like the movies about bad holidays. Okay, some of you don't watch movies apparently. There is a secret that is found in this verse that is very helpful. Uh, let me uh, first just refer to, I know we're in the Thanksgiving season, we've seen a lot of different social media exercises um, about giving thanks for things, and I just want to talk about this just real quick, because the truth of the matter is that research shows that being thankful can help you experience less stress and feel happier In your life, how many of you would like to feel less stress and be happier, right? So believe it or not, researchers have been studying the effect of gratitude on health and well-being for years. Robert Emmons and Michael McCullough are two of the leading American investigators of gratitude. They describe gratitude as a personality strength. Strength. The ability to be keenly aware of the good things that happen to you and never take them for granted. Grateful individuals express their thanks and appreciation to others in a heartfelt way, not just to be polite. If you possess a high level of gratitude, you often feel an emotional sense of wonder, thankfulness, and appreciation for life itself. Researchers are finding that individuals who exhibit and express the most gratitude are happier, healthier, and more energetic. Grateful people report fewer symptoms such as headaches, stomach aches, nausea, even acne. Spend more time, and they spend more time exercising. That just sounds weird, right? And the more a person is inclined to gratitude, the less lonely, stressed, Anxious and depressed, he or she will be. Martin uh, Seligman, a researcher and teacher at the University of Pennsylvania, is considered the father of positive psychology. He developed an inventory, of the the an inventory, the VIA, which stands for Values in Action Survey of character strengths, which allows individuals to explore character traits and rate their personal strengths and aspects of happiness. He noticed that when an individual had an insufficient appreciation of good events. And an overemphasis on bad or unfortunate experiences it greatly undermined their serenity, contentment, and satisfaction with life. Seligman conducted research with his students using one of the exercises that Emmons and McCullough developed in their experimental experimental investigations, namely counting your blessings. When they when they asked when asked to write down five things for which they felt grateful for once a week. For 10 weeks in a row, exciting results emerged. Students reported feeling less stressed, more content, optimistic, and satisfied with their life. These were similar to findings of other researchers which showed that participants who counted their blessings on a regular basis became happier as a result. Even more interesting, when Dr. Seligman then asked his students to write gratitude letters to significant individuals in their lives and conduct gratitude visits where they read those letters out loud to the recipients, it fostered not only increased feelings of joy, but also a closer meaning and pleasure derived from the relationship. It would appear that counting our blessings on a regular basis can improve our moods and overall level of happiness and health but expressing that appreciation to others will do so even more. And the good news is that noticing, appreciating, and expressing our feelings for life's little blessings can produce just as much benefit as noticing the monumental moments. So it certainly seems that developing a higher level of gratitude is emotionally, physically, and mentally rewarding. Now think about that. hit students in a controlled study once a week, write down five things that they were thankful for. And they had done a baseline survey about their health, their mental and emotional and physical health prior to the survey. And at the end of 10 weeks, means just 10 times in 10 weeks, once a week, they wrote down five things they were thankful for. At the end of 10 weeks, they were healthier physically, mentally, and emotionally. It works if you work it. So work it, you're worth it. All right now. Let's go back, Paul and Timothy. Paul is writing to Timothy. He'd been led to faith in Jesus by Paul's ministry, probably in Lystra. Uh, After a few years of discipleship, Timothy had become Paul's travel partner in ministry, leading people to Jesus and starting churches they'd been involved in the church in Ephesus. Paul writes to Timothy about a year after setting him in as the pastor of, F- of the church in Ephesus, teaming him up with the elders that had been set in previously. Now, Timothy's mother is Jewish and his father is a Gentile, so he has a background of mixed ethnicity, culture, and probably faith. Ephesus had a bunch of different cultures uh, and a very different culture than Timothy's hometown. And He was now leading a multi-ethnic church that there would have been some challenges inherent to. Timothy is dealing with challenges from some people specifically that are teaching things that are not true. He's also trying to bring about peaceful relationships between people who are still viewing each other with discrimination towards either class or ethnicity. Sound familiar? Right? That's the context for this letter. This letter is not like some pie-in-the-sky fantasy thing. These are real people. And how would their w- this conversation between them, these two men that knew each other quite well, and this principle of gratitude and prayer that they're talking about, how is that possible? Well, we can't talk about this without talking about the context that both of them had been seriously born-again, changed new spiritual life by their faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior. They had both experienced forgiveness of sins, and in Paul's case, at least, we know that this included serious forgiveness for what was legal but was probably murder, right? His own own biography is described he was breathing murder, and he had an experience with Jesus, and he received forgiveness of sins from Jesus, and he became someone who was loving instead of someone who was hateful. Is This is different than how our culture is currently describing Christians as hateful. Paul was no longer described as hateful. Timothy was not described as hateful. They were loving. They were overflowing in love because through Jesus they'd had an encounter with God who was overflowing with love. And only through that experience with Jesus Christ as their Savior is this anything more than a fantasy. (laughs) Some of you are looking at me like I'm a little too intense. I agree with you that the message of this simple verse of scripture sounds impossible because in my own human nature it sounds impossible but what i'm trying to explain to us is that if we have had a salvation experience with jesus christ where we are changed the rubber meets the road somewhere and this is as good a place as any to start And what I have found in my life is that there has been change on the inside of me about how I think and about how I feel about other people. And as a result, there have been changes in my human relationships with other people because I have put this into practice as challenging as it may seem. Right? Keeping it real. This is challenging for me, and yet I have found it to be very helpful. How do we do this? How do we walk out the suggestions from this passage? On the screen you see five simple steps. First, write out the names of the people in your life. That seems easy. You can do it right now. You can thumb punch it into your phone. Write out the names of the people that are in your life. Second, list what you're thankful for about them. Now that might be a little harder. Oh good, there's still some humans in this room. Right? And I I want to just pause for a second. This practice has also helped me when I'm grieving the death of a loved one. I had a I had a, a, a childhood friend who was Born the night before me, and our moms were in the same hospital, and we knew each other, lived in the same neighborhood, for the most part, went to the same schools all our life, and somewhere around the time that we turned 30, um, passed away after a surgery in the Cleveland Clinic. They did a million-dollar surgery, but could never resuscitate him. And because of my job and my employer, I was out of state and was not able to return for his memorial service. And I didn't really realize until about a month later when I was finally able to come back home that I wasn't really grieving. And so I did something that is not normal for me because I believe that, you know, believers are in heaven with Jesus and they're alive. I, I went to his graveside. I, I I don't know what got into me, but I, it's just, I realized, like, I'm not grieving properly. I, I'm not really, and so I needed to go. And so I went to his graveside and... and that was when I, the first, when I really cried and that was when I, I really thought through his memory. And then I sat down in my car and on a post-it that actually I still have in my Bible, I wrote down things about him that I appreciated. Things that I appreciated about him and things that I could learn from. This is a very helpful practice. Not so that you would have the emotions that other people expect you to have about the loss of a loved one, but just to help you Process what you're feeling. Is that? Am I making any sense? See, one thing that you will find about me, if you if we have real conversations about these things personally, is I'm the last person to tell you how to grieve, how how to feel, how long it should take. I just don't believe in that. We're all humans, and God knows us better than anyone. And a loss is a loss. Now I believe that God can help us and we obviously we talked about that on Friday at Ronald's memorial service. But this is one of the practices that we find in scripture that you can still do even in regards to somebody who is deceased. Am I making sense? Write out what you are thankful for about them. Because that, we need to understand the sentence structure of the text. Greek does not work like English. In Greek, what they would do is they put it, they, it, they have more paragraphs than sentence structure. And when they talked in paragraphs, they would actually put the parts that were the most important at the front. So reading, learning Greek grammar and act, accurately interpreting the biblical text is a great challenge to us. But it's important for you to understand that this text is not like in order. First you do this, then you do this, and then you do that. It's, this is one practice that you would do together and you would maybe and, and particularly for Jewish believers that spoke Greek, they would, uh, their storytelling model and the way they would think, they would actually not start at the beginning, but they would start in the middle, work their way to the end, come back to the middle, work their way to the end, and then go to the beginning. That's how Jewish thought works, even to this day. That's how the text works. So, this, what's my point? My point is that this is one practice that's all together, not analytical, one, two, three, four, like us Westerners think. Is that helpful? I'm sorry if it's not helpful. My point is, giving thanks for other people is an essential part of this practice, and you can do it first. So list the names of the people that are in your life. List what you are thankful for about each of them. Set aside time so that this can be a meaningful practice. And it doesn't have to be something heavy. It can be something silly. I'll give you examples in a moment. Third, pray through this list and thank God for placing them in your life. That might be a little bit harder. It's a little bit easier if what you've done first is to list what you're thankful for about them. Then it may be easier to say, God, thank you for putting that person in my life. Now, trust me, this is not easy, but this is something that I have done myself with relationships with people that I'm having a difficult time with, and it's very helpful you know, I've had some of you, and, and I, I don't, I'm going to be careful in how I say this, that have said, you know, Pastor Ben, you're so patient. I know not, not all of you feel that way, but some of you have, have said that. So you're so patient. I want you to understand something. This is something that I do with you when I'm frustrated with you. It works if you work it, so work it, you're worth it. It's not fake. It's how I genuinely love you. I'm not more mature than you. I'm not better than you. I'm not holier than you. It's just, I take the scripture for what it says, and then I do it. And I've been doing it for years. And with having been in full-time ministry for more than 20 years now, I've had a lot of people tweak me, offend me, use me, abuse me, right? (laughs) You... You learn, and when you learn to forgive, you learn to appreciate people, and you learn, listen, I don't have to lose relationships with everybody who does me wrong. That doesn't need to be the end of the relationship. But how do we move forward without being fake? Come on, you know me. If there's anything I'm impatient with, it's fake. (laughs) Right? Don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. You, You think I don't see? You think I don't know? right? But how we love each other is we give thanks for each other. And we think about the aspects about each other that we appreciate about each other. What do we appreciate about each other? What can we be thankful for about each other? Now, then you, number three on the screen, you pray through the list and thank God for placing them in their life. Now, number four, list what prayer topics you might have for each person. So now that you've given a thought to that person. What in their life could be better? Do they need a healing miracle? Do they need a better job? Is there a need for peace in their home, peace in their mind? Do they need a car repair that they can't afford? What, what is it? What could be better about their life? Write it out. Write it out. This exercise will bring change on the inside of you then pray through that list. Bring the list to God and ask God for change in those areas that you listed out. I know this is a new idea, but I think it's helpful. Now, the essential ingredient in this process is a faith prayer over a stress prayer. When we create prayer lists... This person needs a miracle. This person needs a job. This person needs whatever. We can stress pray instead of talking to God like He's actually in control. So it's okay to stress pray, especially when you're early in your walk with God. God says, come, 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 right? With a childlike faith, come, come. But as we grow in our relationship with God, you're sensing a theme these couple months we're talking about growing in our relationship with God. As we grow in our relationship with God, and what that means is not God becomes bigger or stronger or I become a better person, no. But through investigating God through the scriptures and through here and through small groups, through learning more about God, what happens is my view of God gets bigger. It's like going from um, the, your old TV to the flat screen in my house. <laughs> Come on, somebody laugh, right? You're talking about a bigger view in high definition, right? right? If my view of God gets bigger and more clear by my pursuing Him, by me writing out what I doubt, writing out my questions and pursuing answers to those things, as my view of God becomes clearer and bigger, then my faith naturally becomes stronger. It's not that God has changed. It's not that I'm pretending to be a more spiritual person or a better person, but it's that my view of Him is bigger. When my view of Him gets bigger, my faith becomes stronger. And then this exercise of thanking God for people, the honorary people, the nasty people in your life, and praying that something good would happen for them becomes easier because now I can see God is bigger than their behavior, than their addiction, than their, than their stealing from me, than them gossiping about me. God is bigger than that. God can be the judge if they don't repent and God can forgive and bring healing and cause them to make amends. Are you with me? God can do what you cannot do. Hello? He said, let there be light, and there was light. God can what you can't. Faith prayer over stress prayer. So here's two guys on the screen that I'm thankful for. Very different, aren't they? On the right, you see my friend George Hopkins. Some of you met George Hopkins at the Ethnos Conference, or a pastor in Baltimore City. Great friend of mine. I love George. Love his family. Love his perspective. We've been in a lot of community meetings together. We've had a lot of private conversations together. Been in a lot of prayer meetings together. I love George. I love George for a few reasons, but one reason that I love George is that he sees Baltimore City as it truly is, and yet he sees with eyes of faith. And he believes that God can bring change to things that people say there can be no change. That there can be peace where there is now no peace. That there can be justice where there is now no justice. That there can be mercy where there is now no mercy. That there can be peace where there is now no peace. I love that about George. So when I pray for George, which I do, I thank God for him. And when I think about him, here's what happens. We're not even talking. We're not even texting. But I'm feeling encouraged by who he is. And it's not a fantasy, it's because I've taken time to process, to think through the things about him for which I'm thankful. And I'm like, man, I'm encouraged. And then the next time I see you, I said, man, you encourage me so much because of bop, 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 bop. Wouldn't you like to have somebody else say that to you? And it not be flattery or fantasy or trying to get something out of you, but it be real? And then that person says, man, I've been praying for you because of bop, bop, bop. That's how this works. The guy on the left is my uncle, Dan, who's been here. Some of you have met my dad's only brother. He just looks Norwegian, doesn't he? Right? Which, George is not Norwegian. And the dog next to my uncle, Dan, is a Norwegian elk hound, which is a certain irony to it because my uncle is Norwegian and he's a bow hunter and he has won many trophies. We're very close to setting a record in the state of Oregon for the largest bull elk. Now, he's a careful hunter, and he only will use the meat and all parts of any animal that he kills. He's responsible. And elk are a very uh, remote animal. They're very, they like to be in solitary. They like to be, think about it like this, a deer anybody can kill with their car, that's not hard. I'm sorry if that lacked compassion. I'm sorry. What I mean to say is that it's not hard to be a hunter and hunt for deer. Okay, hunting for elk is more difficult than hunting for bear, um, arguably more difficult than hunting for mountain lion. okay? Now he's a bow hunter, not a rifle hunter. My uncle, and even what you see there with a the wheelbarrow of wood that he has chopped for the wood stove in his house, is a responsible, good steward. He loves Jesus and he sees good stewardship of the environment as his appropriate response to Jesus. He used to be way over 300 pounds, and now he is about 70 pounds less. He's a man who has learned how to be responsible with his time, energy, money, and how he consumes food. And when I think about my life, I have lessons to learn from him. And when I pray for him, and when I pray for his wife, and I, when I pray for his son, my cousin, who has been here, some of you have met, when I pray for um, his, his daughter Jasmine, who's, uh, whose husband committed suicide a few years ago, when I pray for their family, I pray for them with gratitude and with specific prayer requests. Are you with me? Because I've taken time to think through the people that God has placed in my life, what I'm thankful for about them, that's how it works. So here's just a few verses to back up that it's not only one verse in the Bible where this is true, okay? First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. From Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then, and this is where the Greek grammar to English is correct, then you will experience God's peace. When? When you're not worrying and instead praying and telling God what you need and thanking Him for all that He has done. Then you will experience peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That's good. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Christianity is not supposed to be fantasy where we pretend that everything's better. No, no, no with an alert mind, and yet a thankful heart. Here's our five steps again. Write out the names of people in your life. List what you were thankful for about each of them. Pray through this list and thank God for placing them in your life. List what prayer topics you have for each person. Bring that list to God and ask God for change. Remember the essential ingredient. Faith prayer over stress prayer. You do this the wrong way and you're just going to be more stressed. Faith prayer over a stress prayer. Here's our thought. We will experience peace and we will see change when we thank God for the people in our lives and pray for them now let's have a quick example of how this works so I'm going to ask a few people to join me Daniel will you come stand next to me please okay Holly will you come stand next to me please okay Patrick will you come stand next to me please At these wonderful people. These, these are some wonderful people. Right? These are three people that are in your life. These, they can be on your list. Right? Now, I am thankful for these three people. I'm thankful that Daniel is a thoughtful believer in Jesus Christ. He thinks deeply, he feels deeply. He asks questions of God, and when he brings out a question in conversation, it's something that is real. It's something that is wrestling with, growing in, and is a positive effect on other people. I'm thankful for Holly for many reasons. For who she is. Because she decided when she came to a certain measure of her own personal healing, that she wasn't going to wait until she was perfect, but she was going to go ahead and start serving others now. Did you didn't know that in, in most church families in America, more than 90% of the church is not doing anything? And what I mean by that is not serving others. Okay. Listen, I I had a job for eight years where I traveled across the country. I've been in hundreds of churches for at least a week at a time. You know I don't make comments like that often and I don't make them carelessly. Holly is not that kind of person. She's serving others all the time. And you may know that she's leading Celebrate Recovery in prison, serving the lives of ladies in prison and really making a difference. But what I appreciate, I appreciate the action, but I appreciate because I've thought about it who she is and a part of who she is is that she made a decision when she had come to a certain amount of healing in her life that she was not going to wait until she was perfect but she was going to start to serve right away isn't that cool Patrick some of you don't know this but Patrick and I grew up in the same church in Portland Oregon our parents have known each other for decades decades more than 30 years One thing I appreciate about Patrick is that he's seeing, he's thinking, and he's ready to meet a need when he sees it. He'll see a need and meet it. He doesn't wait for permission. He doesn't wait for a title or a compliment. He sees a need and he's going to reach out and meet it. And he's perceptive. Yesterday we needed cranberry sauce for the hot meal. He went and bought it and brought it right? Am I lying? Okay. (laughs) We'd have a different prayer at that point, right? So these are things that I appreciate about each of them. Now, each of them are also in seasons of their life where they're thinking about vocation, and they're thinking about the future, and they're thinking about their identity in God and what God wants them to do in vocation. And so when I pray for them, I can pray, Lord, would you guide them? Would you remove distractions or voices that would be speaking anything that's not of your will? Would you help them to hear your voice? And would you help them to take good steps and make good decisions in the direction in which where they will be fulfilled in you? Is that okay? It's a good prayer, right? Now, they're all in different seasons of life. Is this making sense? This is how... Oh, I should have put the scripture back. Pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. It works if you work it. We will experience peace and see change when we thank God for the people in our lives and pray for them. Will you give them a hand? Thank them for standing here. I'd like to close in prayer. And after, when I pray, that doesn't mean leave. I've got an announcement after after prayer, okay? God... As we approach this scripture, in our human nature, it seems difficult. We carry offenses and hurts that we need healing from, that we need to let go of, that we need to bring to you and set at your feet. We get tired and frustrated and confused, and sometimes we allow life to drift towards complexity instead of being simple. God, I ask that you would help us to respond to this passage with prayer, with obedience, and to carve out time to do it. Would you grace our relationships with others? Would you help us this week to be thankful for the people that you have put in our lives? I thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. A couple of quick announcements. One, um, uh, many of us have participated in almost monthly uh, distribution of uh, non-perishable groceries to people that are in need. Right now, in the church van, right outside that door, I have eight frozen turkeys, that won't be frozen by 5 or 6 p.m. tonight, but we are frozen right now, that I would love for you to take uh, to somebody who's in need. If you know somebody in need, um, take them a turkey, bless them, or... If you are inviting people into your home that are some of the people you've been giving groceries to, people that are in need, you can uh, take one of the turkeys for that purpose to serve those that are in need. So I have about eight turkeys. I would like to see them all go bye-bye to your homes and, and, and to be used for that purpose. Does that make sense? Okay, and again, you're welcome to uh, join us uh, for the uh, lunch after church for the Ravens game. And then also, uh, Miss Millie has some appreciation gifts for all those that uh, served. And so please don't take off. She would like to put a gift in your hand. Thank you so much for being here today. Grace and peace to you. Have a great day.